So I think first we need to acknowledge that this is no longer called coffee, cookies, and crime, or cookies, coffee, right. and crime. Right. Um, the new title of the podcast is... Generally speaking. About crime. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what we're doing. We're yeah. just generally speaking. Yeah, um, I think that's a great title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to just be a little snippet about a crime story. Yeah. Get you a little interested. Sure. Encourage you to pick up a book at the library, find go. out more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the podcast is about. Yeah. Plus, we did not let's let's remember that we want to um, talk about the cookies. They're still part of it. Yes, for sure. Of course. Yeah, we would absolutely. never let them go. That's the only reason why I show up. <laughs> You're just here for the cookies. I'm just here for the cookies. <laughs> and maybe some crime. Just here. And maybe some crime. Yeah, maybe a little bit of crime. And maybe a little bit of carry. <laughs> I think you're going to get too much carry today because I'm going to be the one speaking about the crime that interests me. So That's true. I, yeah. get, to, I get to sit back and relax. That's right. <laughs> and I'm wearing sunglasses because that's a clue as to who I'm talking about. So you already, I think you know. I already know. But yeah. going forward, yes. we're not sharing right. this information right. Right. so that we can both be surprised yeah. with whoever the other person picks. I mean, my problem is I just get really excited about the topic and then I just can't stop talking about it. So Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> Okay, everybody here <laughs> knows that, so... They know who you're talking about now that Patty Hearst is done and over with. Yeah, they're like, wow, thank goodness she's not talking about Patty Hearst anymore. <laughs> that's no joke. I know. <laughs> We're laughing because it's true. Yeah, that's yeah. how Homer Simpson, that's what he says. Yes, yes. yes. It's so funny because it's true. <laughs> yeah. But now you're talking about... Yeah. So I'm going to talk today about D.B. Cooper. Um, and I think before I do that, I better switch out of my sunglasses. What do you think? I think I'll put my regular glasses on. Yeah. Okay. So, so D.B. Cooper is one of those um, unsolved mysteries that has always interested me. You know, as of today, it's still unsolved. There's some speculation as to who may have done it, but uh, the FBI is no longer investigating the case, and it's it's just truly one of those unsolved mysteries. And um, I mean, it's just one of those ones I remember reading about as a child, and it's always fascinated me, so I thought, this is the perfect opportunity to talk a little bit about yeah. D.B. Cooper. Do you think they'll ever solve it? Um, I, I tend to think no, because, and I'll, I'll tell you yeah. why once we get into this. Um, I have some theories about what happened to this person, so we'll back up a little bit, and we'll just talk a little bit about the case, um, and if you have any questions as we're going along, just feel free to... I'll open. raise my hand. <laughs> Okay, so on Wednesday, November 24th, 1971, a man calling himself Dan Cooper, that's another part of this whole story, approached the Northwest Airlines ticket counter in Portland, Oregon, and bought a one-way ticket to Seattle. And I always think this is interesting, he paid 20 bucks for that ticket, which is crazy, right? Yeah, for sure. um, So then I thought, well, $20 doesn't sound like a lot of money, but how much is that in today's dollars? So I looked it up, it's actually $146.57. So it's still... I mean, if you've flown recently, mm-hmm. one-way tickets are hard to get at $126. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. But he uh, he just walked right up to the counter, bought a ticket for $20. bucks. did ask at the ticket counter uh, what kind of plane it was, and he confirmed with the ticket agent that it was a 727, and then he got ready to board flight 305. So uh, he was the last person to board the plane, and the people that interacted with him all... Um, described him sort of the same way. He was just, he was uh, dressed like a businessman with mm-hmm. us, right? So he's wearing 
um, a dark suit, white shirt, black tie, dark shoes, and like a like a raincoat or an overcoat. And he um, he had sunglasses with him. He wasn't. I don't think he was wearing them when he boarded the plane, but he he was wearing them on the plane. Okay. He also carried a briefcase with him, and then some reports have him also carrying a paper bag um, on board the plane. And I was watching this. Um, Netflix series about Dee Cooper, and they talk about what it was like to board a plane in 1971. And it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely nothing like it is now. Yeah, like, there's yeah. no TSA, there's no you just walk right up to the gate, like, mm -hmm. your family can walk you up to the gate. You know, there's no security whatsoever. You just walk on board with whatever you have with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's like I said, he's the last person to board the flight. Um, and he took his seat in the rear, the last uh, row of seats in um, row 18. And uh, the flight was only like, I don't know, I think it was like a 30 minute flight, it was pretty quick. So they basically go up to their cruising altitude and then come back down. So, but he did, he did have time to order a drink, or drinks, because I've heard two different things. He was a bourbon drinker, so I've read that he ordered bourbon and water, and then some other people say he ordered bourbon and some not. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but he did order a drink on the plane. And at approximately three o'clock Pacific Standard Time, while the plane is in the air, he hands, well, let me go back. So when he bought the ticket, his name on the ticket was Dan Cooper. Mm -hmm. So that is the person that bought it. That's the name the person used to buy the ticket. So he's on board the plane, and he hands one of the flight attendants a note. And she kind of ignores it because, um, also in this Netflix documentary, they talk about what it was like to be a flight attendant sure. in the 70s, right? So mm -hmm. you're getting notes, you're getting I like, get notes all the time. Yeah, and phone numbers, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. hey, let's, let's meet up when we land, whatever. Um, so she ignores it. She just puts it in her pocket. And then he says, hey, uh, you really need to read that note. And it says, and this is what the note said. It said, miss, I have a bomb in my brief briefcase, and I want you to sit by me. So she immediately goes and sits by him, and he opens up the briefcase, and she sees um, dynamite, what she thinks is dynamite in the briefcase. And a, there's some wires, and there's like a battery mm -hmm. in there. And he said, you know, all he has to do is attach one of the wires to something else in there and the whole thing will blow up. The plane will blow up, the briefcase will blow up. So the, the stewardess or the plane attendant tells, goes up and tells the captain there's a hijacking in progress. And then they try to figure out what to do. So the, the captain of the plane and the two other officers in the cockpit with him contact air traffic control and they, um, they the air traffic control contacts the FBI and they also contact Northwest Airlines because this is a ransom. He wants to, a Dan Cooper demanded four parachutes and $200,000 in negotiable American currency. That was his exact word, okay. right? So Northwest says, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll totally pay that ransom. We, we want to get these people back safely. We don't want anything to happen. With so I wonder how much, two, did you say $200,000? Uh, $200,000. I wonder how much that is equal, equal to now. Yeah, so I, I believe it's, um, I believe it's around $1.4 million okay. in today's All right, today's so it's a hefty, yeah. hefty amount. Yeah. So did yeah. they say like how many people were on this plane? Yeah, there was, was like, I think there was 40, around 45 people altogether, that included the crew. So I think there was 36, 37 passengers, okay. something like that. It wasn't a full flight, but there was seven passengers, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, so Northwest makes the decision to uh, pay the ransom. And they immediately start piling the money together. And the FBI uh, has a device where you can take a picture of every serial number of all of them. Oh, okay. And so 
he got uh, he got ten thousand twenty dollar bills. Okay. That was the two hundred thousand, and they were strapped together in uh, like stacks of a hundred dollar or hundred bills rubber banded together. Mm -hmm. So the weight of that money by itself was over twenty pounds. Wow. Uh, interesting. I mean, it's just you know, think of money as I mean that's heavy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, sure. Yeah. So um, be funny if they gave him quarters. <laughs> I mean, that would be negotiable or pennies, right? You yeah. $200,000 in pennies. <laughs> so anyway, so, so the FBI is involved. They're photographing all of the bills. The flight eventually lands at Seattle Airport. And the plane lands kind of um, like on a runway that's not near the terminal. Okay. And the thing that, that Dan Cooper demanded was that um, the plane fly back to Mexico. That's where he wants the plane to go. So, um, he, and so the plane has to refuel because they don't have enough fuel to get from Seattle to Mexico. And as it turns out, that plane doesn't even have, even if you refueled it, it wouldn't get all the way to Mexico. Oh, you have okay. to stop again and refuel yeah. the way. So then they make a decision to go to Reno, Nevada. So that's where he's like, okay, fine, you can take me to Reno. I have no idea. Do you think after all this planning, he would know that the airplane couldn't make it to Mexico? Yeah, which is weird, right? Because right. he, so he specifically yeah, asked right. which plane it was right. or what type right. of plane. And there's a reason he asked for that particular plane. Yeah. Confirmed with that particular plane. Um, so, and another thing, while the plane was being hijacked, none of the passengers knew what was going on. And that was another demand that he had, that the passengers not be told that there's a hijacking in progress, probably because everybody would have panicked and then there would have been a pain mm -hmm. going Right. Uh, so the plane lands, they get it refueled, they get the money and the parachutes on board, and then all of the passengers are let off the airplane, and they're immediately met by FBI agents. Okay. And none of them, first of all, they had no idea what was going on, yeah. and they had nothing, they couldn't remember anything about this guy who was sitting in the back of the plane. So, um, okay, so why... So the crew, the crew stays on then, right? The crew stays on, the pilot, the co-pilot, and the engineer are in the cockpit, and then one stewardess, okay. say, or flight attendant, stays on board. And the other two, there, I believe there were two other two of the flight attendants, and they leave with the mm -hmm. passengers. Um, so Dan Cooper chose that plane for a reason. Because there's something, and I'm not a plane expert, that the 727 had an unusual um, design in that you could fly the plane with the back stairwell down, right? So the aft okay. stairwell could be either down when you take off or you could lower it in flight, which okay. is what he wanted. Yeah. So he wanted he wanted that flight to take off with the stairwell down. And you had to do some other things. You have to like um, reorient the wings and sure. things. <clears throat> but he that was what he demanded. And the pilot said he would absolutely not fly that plane if the stairwell was down when they took off. So Dan Cooper sort of relents and he's like, okay, we can take off without the stairwell down. He, um, I think he got some instruction on how to lower it in flight. Okay. So is that like connected to the main part of the cabin? So yeah. Like so if you're like sitting a, in a, yeah. if you're sitting in a seat, I mean, it would be obvious to you. You would All right. So yeah. it's like right there. Yeah. Right. It's not like it's in another, like there's a, a wall there. That, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. With right. a doorway yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like. Yeah. I'm it's picturing it almost like one of those military planes. Yes, right, like those where, cargo planes. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm did. picturing almost. That's what I'm picturing too. I think it was like that. Um, and it was obviously behind all of the seats and yeah. the okay. back there, like a galley and stuff like that. Um, so the flight, flight 305, takes off from staircase um, up. It's in the, the up position. 
Um, it takes off at 7.37 p.m. And at approximately 8.12, as the plane is heading south over like the Washington, Oregon border, the flight crew felt what they called an ear popping experience. Yeah. So the cabin pressure was, was affected by him lowering that staircase. So uh, I say he jumped. That wasn't clear to them, right? So because when they landed, right, they landed in Reno and the back staircase is still So open. the stewardess wasn't back there with them? No. Oh, okay. No. She was up in the front. Okay. Because he told her, he told her when he was getting ready, he was like putting his parachute on mm -hmm. and she saw him doing something else, like tying rope around his waist, which she thought was the money, but we'll go, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah. in a second. Okay. Um, so when, so like I said, they didn't really, they didn't know for sure that jumped. That wasn't clear to them until they landed because nobody saw him actually leave the plane. So when they landed in Reno, they went back and like, one of the two of the pair, one of the parachutes was gone. One of the parachutes had been had been Deployed. cut or ripped apart, oh. and the money was gone, and Cooper was gone. So there was no. So then they were like, okay, well he jumped. That must have been when he jumped when we felt that ear popping experience. So one, he requested four backpacks: two front backpacks and two back, two front loading backpacks and two backpacks. He took one of the backpacks that you would wear on your back, mm -hmm. and he used a front loading backpack to cut it apart to carry the money because when the money came on the plane it did not come in the type of bag that he demanded so he kind of jerry-rigged a bag together mm -hmm. and that's where this whole issue of the paper bag comes into account because some reports have him carrying that on board and some don't but the, the fbi thinks he did have a paper bag with him when he when he came on the plane and they um, they probably had things that would help him during the jump, like maybe goggles or maybe rope or something okay. like that. Yeah. Um, so they think that that's what he had in the bag. He cuts open this other backpack, he fills the money in there, and then he ties that to his waist, and then he jumps out. He took his briefcase with him too. That was not on board. Um, but he did leave behind his tie clip. He was wearing like a clip-on tie, and he left that behind on the airplane. So that didn't go with him, which is actually come into play later because they were, they've been able to get some DNA oh. samples from that tie, yeah. uh, but they've not been able to um, even like develop a profile from any of the DNA left behind on that. Why not? I know, isn't that crazy? What's taking so long? I, know, I, know, I mean, I don't think there just wasn't a lot on there, so. I guess. Yeah. But you know, with everything, all this DNA being shared now and like ancestry yeah. and family yeah. tree yeah. stuff, yeah. like you would think that there'd be a way to track down who this person finally is after yeah. all these years. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I feel like every every few years there's another story that shows yeah. up on like, you know, on the news, like CNN or somebody will cover it and they'll be like, Somebody will say, oh, I think my, my neighbor was T.D. Cooper or my, my uncle or my mm -hmm. cousin or somebody. And there's lots of people who sort of fit like the FBI profile who they think may have done it, but they have not been able to hmm. definitively prove any one of these people is T.D. Cooper. Yeah. Um, so actually, let's talk about how he, how he got to be known as T.D. Cooper. Okay. Right, Because his name on the ticket is Dan Cooper. So he erroneously gets called T.D. Cooper um, because there were FBI agents, I think they were FBI, were trying to figure out who Dan Cooper was. And they ended up finding somebody in the phone book who's like D.B. Cooper and they interviewed yeah. him and then that name got stuck. So it actually, it's he's never been D.B. Cooper. It's Dan Cooper, but we know him now as mm -hmm. I mean, that sort of, D.B. Cooper sounds sort of like yeah. Cooper, you know. So I'm assuming that Dan Cooper then was just 
a fake name. Just a fake name. Yeah. And you didn't need your ID or anything to get a plane ticket. Yeah, you just, just, you yeah, just said, like, hey, I'm Joe Schmo or Joe yeah. Smith or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to get a ticket. Okay, yep. here, okay, Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith, here's your ticket. So, yeah, it was completely different back then. Mm -hmm. so. But D.B. Cooper just stuck. It just stuck, and that's what everybody calls him. So. Yeah. Um, oh, the next question would be, where did he land? Right, because they're thinking, okay, so they know approximately where the plane was when the crew felt this air, yeah. the ear popping experience. Um, and then the FBI actually recreated a jump um, from the same type of, from the same plane, not the same exact plane, but the a 727, and they pushed this 200 pound sled out off the back staircase to figure out mm -hmm. sort of approximately where yeah. it was. And um, they, they believe, the pilot believes that he jumped 25 miles north of Portland. So the FBI was looking around um, the southeastern part of Lake Mount St. Helens and around the Lewis River in southwest Washington state. Um, and later investigations put the probable landing area in Clark County. So that's what okay. they were looking. It's really weird. So he, he kind of jumped like, all, I don't want to say right after takeoff, but like he yeah, didn't waste like any time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he wasn't really looking to go to um, no, he Reno. wasn't. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was really looking to go to Mexico, though, like maybe. over the border. Yeah, he could have been. And maybe he was jumping off sooner than later to go over the yeah. Canadian border. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so he jumps. Um, he jumps. They look in like Clark County, like southwestern Washington State. There's some people who believe that if he jumped and landed somewhere around Mount St. Helens, that any evidence would have been destroyed when the, oh. when the, the earthquake, or when the volcano erupted, yeah, sure. so, which is possible. So then I guess the question is, are there suspects? And like I said, yes, mm -hmm. there's people that, um, you know, generally fit the, you know, that look similar to the, the drawings that the FBI did, the sketches, um, or people who have a uh, background in, the aviation industry, sure, or they yeah. worked for the airline. Boeing is really huge out there, uh, or they were uh, military and had experience as mm -hmm. a paratrooper or a pararescue yeah. person. Um, so, like I said, the FBI is no longer investigating any of these leads. They're they're like this is this happens. Uh, it'll be fifty two years ago this Thanksgiving. Okay, and honestly, like they're just not. You could call them up today and be like, hey, I think my neighbor's D.B. Cooper. And they'd be like, okay, Don't great, care. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for calling. <laughs> um, so then another question people ask is, well, have they ever found any evidence of mm -hmm. his landing? Um, so there was a placard from a 727 found in, on a logging, a logging road east of Castle Rock, Washington, uh, which is, again, southwestern Washington. Outside the area where Cooper, where they thought he jumped, but it was within the flight path that that plane was taken. Okay. So it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, and then the biggest thing they found was some money. In 1980, a family found about $6,000 of waterlogged $20 bills um, along the banks of the Columbia River. So they were they were just there, like having a you know spending the day yeah. at the, the river. Um, the family was making a fire pit, and one of the kids started digging and found these bills. Hmm. Um, and the bills were for sure part of the twenty dollars. Yeah, they were. They were the twenty dollars bills included in that twenty dollars bills that uh, that Cooper got. That money is the only confirmed evidence that's ever been recovered from the hijacking. Okay. So you don't know if he buried it himself or if it was just over time it got buried by. Yeah, Santa. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're sure. I don't think. I think they. 
they think that it's not, he wasn't there and he didn't bury that there. Okay. It's probably, it's just, you know, it just, was covered up over time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it floated down in the river and somehow yeah. ended up yeah. off, you know, or the erosion happens. Or, That's not, um, that doesn't sound good for D.B. Cooper. <laughs> I know. So, so I guess that leads to, um, you know, what, what happened to him. And my guess is just your estimated guess estimated based on all this research generally speaking yeah. my, my guess would be um that he he did not survive i don't think he survived the landing i think it's possible that he survived jumping out of the plane mm -hmm. uh, but i just don't think given what he was wearing i mean he jumped yeah. in like a business suit and and i think a lot about what he was wearing on his feet which sounds crazy but like he was wearing like dress shoes, men's yeah. dress shoes, right? You land in the woods in November in the Pacific Northwest. It's cold, it's rainy. Um, he can't see anything, it's, he's jumping because it's nighttime when he yeah. jumps. He can't go for help. Can't go for help, he's in the middle of a forest somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I think the fact that they haven't found any of the money in circulation, as far as we know, but that leads me to believe either he didn't, he died after yeah. he jumped, which is yeah. possible, or he made the jump but he didn't survive the landing. He never made it out of the woods, yeah. is my guess. So. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? It's truly one of those unsolved yeah. mysteries. I mean, you would think that someone would have said, hey, Uncle yeah. Uncle Danny didn't come yeah. home last night. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because all, all these people who are suspects are people who sort of have a, either a connection to the airline industry yeah. or the military or both, or they look like the guy or they're the same age. Um, so, I don't know if you want to, This is the original sketch. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember seeing this like at the post office. Like, you know how they used to have those wanted posters yeah. there? Um, so, that's the original sketch of him. Is that good if I hold it like that? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, and it's changed over time, um, which I think is interesting. Um, so, this actually is the most recent sketch of what D.B. Cooper may have looked like, which I think is very different from this one. All right, who drew that? Right, so... <laughs> Who drew that? <laughs> it wasn't the FBI. They're not interested I don't think anymore. So. Yeah, and so actually the, the, this, this drawing, this um, particular sketch, came from um, the recollection of a, pa of a, a passenger who was on the same flight. Okay. And, but it's just so different. It's like, okay, so he's wearing a different colored jacket, his glasses are different, and his hair is different. And I, I sort of... I guess I would say maybe I discount these a little bit more, just because yeah. if it's done 40 years after the jump, right? Right. Your, yeah. Your memory changes. But who did they base the original sketch on? Was it just one person? Yeah, it was. It was the no, stewardess. It was the, the person at the ticket counter. Okay. And then the stewardesses who had the most interaction. Okay. With him. All right. Was the, um, so it was modified. So it was like this first, then it was this, then these two, and this is an age progression. <laughs> So it looks like know. it looks like from the game Guess Who. <laughs> Does your guy have gray hair? Yeah. What was that game? Oh man. <laughs> Wait, was that the game where you were no, what was the game that was like a dating thing? Remember they played that on The Simpsons? Do you remember that? It, it was okay. I have no idea, folks. <laughs> I can't it'll come to me. I can't think of it. Like a board game? Yeah, it was a board game. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It was like I mean I had all like the typical Teenage games yeah. like Mall Madness and yeah, no, uh, Dream Phone. Dream Any Dream Phone fans out there? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and and uh, Girl Talk. Oh, it was like Secret Date or something like that. I forget what it was called, but 
yeah, yeah. I have a feeling it was probably out of circulation by the time it got to my, my teenage years. Yeah, but so anyways, uh, it's funny, actually, the, the very first one, I believe this is the one, um, the very first sketch, God bless it, um, is um, the one that they thought looked like, they used to call it the Bing Crosby sketch, because it kind of looked like Bing Crosby, I guess. Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, I was thinking that too because when I was yeah, looking at him, I'm yeah. thinking he looks like someone like a famous musician. Yeah, and actually the the recent sketch. Yeah, um, that one yeah. reminds me of like Buddy Holly. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so I could, I don't know. It's, I think they're interesting, but that was the style at the time too. So yeah, a lot exactly. of guys are going for that look. Yeah. So I mean, if you look at at pictures of of men like from the 1970s, there's early 1970s, there's probably a lot of guys that look like that, right? They Looks like, like, yeah, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank Sinatra. They have, like, clean, you know, they have short hair. Yeah. They're clean-shaven. They're wearing a business suit. Um, Are we sure it wasn't Frank Sinatra? <laughs> I've never seen his name show up as any of the, any of the uh, potential suspects. So, okay. um, you know, I think anything's possible, but I, I would not put my money on Frank okay. Sinatra. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I haven't, I've read a couple books on, like, um, uh, I've read books and articles on people who are suspects, and I'm like, mm, none of them really... Was Frank Sinatra one of them? No, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> no, and neither was Bing Crosby. Maybe I should so. write a book that Frank Sinatra is D.B. Cooper. Well, actually, there's like a there's a, uh, a theory that... Um, did you ever watch Mad Men? I tried, like, the part of the first season. Okay, yeah. It's a great series. I didn't like it at first either, but okay. I gave it a try, and then it was like, we watched it all the time. But there's a theory that Dan, that Don Draper was actually oh. D.B. Cooper, so... Which That's kind of funny. Yeah, looks like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's sure. like, you know, short hair and yep. military background. And, um, um, but yeah, that's, I don't think that's true either. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, I, I just I just believe this will never be solved. I just don't think they're ever. You don't think so in your lifetime? You don't think so? No. No. Because I think, I don't think he made it out of the woods, right? So well, I know, but even that DNA swab or whatever they have, they'd be able to revisit that. Yeah. You know, maybe in, in 10 to 20 years, if there's more advances. I mean, they can do a lot of things with DNA. I know. So that's, you know, even if they take a little bit of that profile and they put it on, like, one of these yeah. ancestry websites, they might be able to find, like, hey, oh, so this person is somehow related to that, you know, that, the characteristics from that DNA test. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I just, I tend to think, no, I tend to think it's not going to be solved. So, anyways, but it was... That irritates me. <laughs> I don't like unsolved cases. Yeah, I know. I know. I, it's unfortunate how many, how many unsolved cases... There are out there, you know, murders mm -hmm. or kidnappings or, you know, yeah. people who are wanted for crimes or, you know, skyjackers, people who jump out of a, a flying airplane in the rain, in the yeah. dark, with $200,000, and they're just never going to Yeah. So, I mean, he's got to be dead. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I believe. Like, there's no way that he could be alive now, right? Like, how, I mean, do, they have, the, yeah, I mean, do they have an idea of, oh, it said mid-40s? Yeah, That's so how this was the description of him. This is a bulletin from the FBI. I guess it could uh, be So this one. was the original one, um, and it was the uh, the Norjack. That's what the FBI called this. It was the Northwest Hijack. Okay. Case. So uh, this man is described as follows. White male, mid-40s, uh, 5'10 to 6 feet, 170 to 180 pounds, uh, average to well-built, his uh, complexion was what they call olive or Latin appearance. Hmm. Um, and his hair is dark brown or black, normal style, parted on the left, combed back, sideburns, low ear level. Um, eyes, possibly brown. I don't know that they're sure about his eye color because then he put his sunglasses on. Yeah, right. Tell. So, 
Um, his voice, they say he spoke low and spoke intelligently, no particular accent, possibly from the Midwest section of the US. Um, he was a heavy smoker of Raleigh filter tip cigarettes. Mm. But I do think they actually have a couple of his cigarettes. See? Or they did. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know, sorry to get your hopes up, but I don't, I think they had them. I don't know that they still have those, those, yeah, they may have gotten lost over time. So you would think that whoever this was, say if the guy was still alive. Yeah. You think on his deathbed he would leave a note saying, I am D.B. Cooper. See, but that's another thing. you got all these guys. There are well, people who yeah. will say that. And it's like, okay. On their deathbed? Yeah. Yeah, they're admitting to being D.B. Cooper. And then it's like, mm, yeah, but they weren't even in the area. Or they, you know, they had fear of heights. Or, you yeah. know, there's always something that's like, well, you know. And it's like, if if 12 people all say they're D.B. Cooper, it's like, well, either, I mean, only one of you. Yeah. If yeah, any yeah. of you are him, it can only be one of you. So, um and then what was he wearing when he jumped? He was wearing a black suit, white shirt, narrow black tie, black dress suit, black rain type overcoat or dark top coat, He uh, dark briefcase or attache case. The FBI said he was carrying a paper bag and he had brown shoes. So, hmm. I mean, it was pretty nondescript, right? I mean, yeah. it would be unusual on a plane wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase and wearing a raincoat. Jeez, you'd think someone would know something. Yeah, I mean, he just, he was so nondescript that, yeah. know, like I said, when, the, when they got everybody off the plane, all the passengers, nobody really remembered anything about it. Now, of course, he was sitting behind everybody, yeah, so right. it's not like, they would have seen him when he got on the plane, because he was the last person Yeah, but who's on. paying attention? Yeah, exactly. You're already on the plane, you're getting ready to fly, you're talking yeah. to whoever's sitting next to you, you're reading a book, or whatever. It was 1971, so nobody was on their cell phones, right? No, they're just doing they're smoking a cigarette, yeah, smoking, talking to the sewers. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're passing. flight attendant. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the correct term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyways, that's that's just a little bit about D.B. Cooper. I, I do think it's uh, one of those things that will never be solved. I mean, I hope they solve it, but I just, I don't see it happening. But, yeah. Um, so, anyways. Well, hopefully we'll have an update. Yeah. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if there are any updates, we will definitely keep our keep our viewers. <laughs> our listeners and viewers <laughs> in the loop. In the loop, that's right, yeah. You want to be the first to hear about D.B. Cooper, you got to <laughs> come talk to us. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So what do you think? I mean, given what I you think, I before, agree with you. I think he died. Yeah. Um, maybe got stuck in a tree somewhere. Yeah. Could get yeah. down. Possible, yeah. Wildlife out there? Yeah. I don't know, right? Yeah, probably. I think we would have known by now if he was still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. And the fact that none of the money was used. Right, right. I think that's. I mean, in any of the FBI profiles, were they saying why this guy would need the money? I don't, I don't remember know if they got into that. that. Yeah, and, I mean, two hundred thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but if you think it's one point four million now, yeah, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen seventy-one probably was a lot of money. Yeah, you know that was. And then you wonder if there's anything significant about the amount that he asked for, too. Yeah, yeah, all good questions. Yeah. Hopefully we'll find the answers Yeah, yeah. out soon. Yeah. Now, I wonder if he chose, like, I wonder if he knew how heavy the money That's was true. Yeah, that's shot, true. Right? So if you ask for a million dollars, that would be, you know, five times as heavy yeah. as that. Yeah, there's so many questions I want to ask. Pounds, yeah. Right? So maybe he thought $200,000 is about 20 pounds, a little bit over that. Um, he could jump with that. He could tie it around his waist. He could. He couldn't. You wouldn't be able to hold on to it because I'm just guessing you're you're also holding on to the parachute or whatever, or yeah. using that to steer. You know where you land. Um, and so, like I said, there was something about the bag that he asked for the money to be brought onto the plane and 
a certain bag, which it was not, and that was why he had to cut open this other parachute gotcha. to, oh, all right. to, um, to put the money into. So, Like, it seems like a well-planned mm -hmm. um, yeah. idea, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. then I just think to myself, well, why didn't he just fly off to Canada? Right, right. But then you're going up into cold. Right. So why not just stay on a little bit longer, go into warmer climate in the right. U.S.? Right. So it sounds like his getaway was somewhere in that general vicinity. Yeah, so then it leads you to think, okay, he must have been, maybe he was from that area, right? So yeah, maybe he, right. Okay, or, now, yeah. now you start thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, then maybe there was somebody meeting him, right? Like maybe he was able to land somewhere and then yeah. there was somebody who could pick him up or he could yeah. get to you know, a logging road, or he could get to a road that would get him out of the forest. Yeah. Um, I tend to discount that, because like, what, how would you, well, this is before cell phones, right? So like, okay, so he says to his friend, hey, I'm gonna find Derek this plane. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what time you're gonna land, right? You know what time the plane's gonna get there, but you don't know that the, you have no idea what's gonna right. happen once you hijack the plane, right? right? So then he hijacks the plane, it lands in Seattle, it sits on the runway for a couple hours, um, they're trying to refuel the plane, they gotta get the passengers off, then it takes off again, but they don't know what time the plane's gonna take yeah, off, right? right? And then you have no idea what time he's gonna jump. Yeah. So so that leads me to I, Was I, it on the news at all when the plane was down and refueling? Or did did it not come to light until after I think it was after. Yeah. 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 Yeah, his buddy's probably like, oh, I'm not hanging around, I'm yeah. out of here. You got better things to do. <laughs> right, right. And it's, and it's dark out. And yeah. Like, you know, it's, and you don't know where he's going to land. You don't know right. where he's going to land. Yeah. And it's very rugged out there in that part of Washington State mm -hmm. and uh, Northern Oregon. And, uh, and again, though, you'd think that that person would come forward and say, hey, D.B. Cooper asked me to, yeah, be, you right. know, just for part of the celebrity. Yeah, event, right, I guess. right, right. And that's never happened either. Yeah. Right. Now, there, I was just, like I said, I was watching this Netflix documentary. And there was this guy who just claimed to be D.B. Cooper and then told everybody he was and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out, you know, he lied about his military background. Like, okay, they gave this guy a show. Yeah, right. I mean, he just, you know, he wanted to like, because D.B. Cooper was kind of a folk hero. I mean, he did yeah. something crazy, yeah, right? Crazy. He hijacks a plane and he jumps And he didn't hurt plane. anybody. Right, nobody got hurt. He didn't. That was one of the fears, actually, the FBI had when he asked for four parachutes, that he was going to. take hostages. He was going to make. One or more of the crew jump with him, like the like the flight attendants or the captain or somebody yeah. who's gonna force them um, to jump. But he didn't. Outside of the briefcase that had the bomb, I don't know if it was actually a bomb or not. Um, he didn't have any other weapons with him. I don't yeah. think. At least they've not. And they don't never read anything yeah. about that. Like no gun, no knife. There's no. We don't know if it was a real bomb or not, right? Right. We don't know if it was a real bomb. Yeah, because we have the descriptions from the. Flight attendants, but they were the only people who saw it. So. It's probably a pound of hot dogs. <laughs> now, she, so the one flight attendant does say it was. It was like it looked like sticks of dynamite. They yeah. were cylinders, and they were there was a battery and some wires, but was it real? I yeah, no right. Yeah, no idea. Um, and I, I did see that. Um, so one of my favorite shows, Unsolved Mysteries, did a like a thirty minute part of their hour long show on this case, and um, one of the FBI agents said. <clears throat> it was really um, important to think about what D.B. Cooper may have had in his pockets. Like, what was he carrying in his overcoat, right? Mm -hmm. Or his pockets, pants. I mean, did he have, uh, like, a lighter? Because if he had a lighter, when he landed, he might have been able to get a fire. Sure. Because, um, 
you know, his, if, so he jumped out of the plane when, it, when the weather was lousy, right? Yeah. So he's going to be wet. And depending on where he lands, he could have landed in a river, right? Let's assume he's wet. If he had a lighter that could, he could stay warm, um, that would be important to have. Yeah. He might have had a pocket knife in there, too, to, you know, I don't know, do whatever you would do in the woods with a pocket knife, cut mm-hmm. it or whatever, um, uh, or start a fire with it. Um, and then they do think in that bag, like I said, that bag that he brought on, they do think he had rope in there that must have helped him tie the money somehow mm-hmm. to what he was, or tie his briefcase to him. Because I think when you jump out of a plane going, you know, at 10,000 feet going, you know, how fast planes go, I mean, that initial jump, like you're just shocked right out yeah. to the... Oh, yeah. So... Did they say what the... Um search was like for him then after all is said and done like are they doing airplane searches they were doing yeah looking on foot yeah, and stuff so they had course? people on foot they had uh they had like national guard units out there they had the fbi out there they were doing aerial surveillance yeah and they just and they were asking people who lived in that area like did you notice anything yeah did, was there something um was your car stolen did somebody take your vehicle? Yeah. Did um, you know? Did you notice something about your property that looked weird, like something had landed on it? Mm-hmm. There was. I read somewhere, and I, I don't want to get my facts wrong, but there was a, a like a break in of like a general store in the general area where they think he landed, and somebody just took like beef jerky and like <laughs> you know, supplies that you would need if you were on the run. Because oh, that was old Joe yeah. down the street. Yeah, right, right. He likes I mean, beef they don't jerky. tie that in any way to this. Yeah. This. Uh, the skyjacking and hijacking, but um, I mean that's what makes this mystery so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that points to him living, and there's right. nothing that points right. to him dying. Yeah, there's nothing conclusively. Yeah, dead. and that was actually going back to what you said, like when they were asking people, um, did, they were like, "Did you notice anything in trees? Like, was there a parachute yeah, right, right. tree, or, or like was there a tree or something. that had like yeah. all these branches that came yeah. down, or something, anything unusual?" And, and there was just nothing. So. Mm. Nothing that I read. So, yeah. You know. um, so the tie, this tie was he left behind, and that so that's where they got a little bit of DNA. See, nowadays they couldn't even trace the maker of the tie. Yeah, they where both, it was purchased. They did. They do know that that particular brand was sold at J.C. Penney up until 1968. So he would have had to have that as a tie okay. or borrowed it from somebody who had mm-hmm. purchased it before 1968. And they do think it was left-handed. It has something to do with. Maybe the way the tie clip was put on. There. Okay. So they do think that's, that's another characteristic of him. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so that's that. So that's that's. Thank you. Very well researched. Yeah. Thank you. Wait until my my next time. <laughs> I can't wait to find. Yeah, out sure. This. <laughs> I bet. I think you earned a cookie. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Let's do here. Should we just? Should we, should we try? There's four, there's four cookies in front yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah. So there's two that are chocolate chip. Ah. One is, I believe, oatmeal chocolate chip, and one is oatmeal cranberry. Okay. So it's the chocolate chip, the chocolate oatmeal, and then the cranberry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay, so um, ahead, which, which one do you want to start with? Chocolate chip. You got to go for the base. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, so these are bought at two different places. Two different places? Yeah. So I brought cookies and... Uh, oh. Oh. So I'm gonna break it off like this. All right, I gotta save my appetite here. There's a lot of cookies. There's a lot of cookie tasting going on. It's pretty good. 
two different places? Yeah. Hmm. This has a lot more chew. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, this is a lot crunchier. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. Goes well with some tea. Yeah. I think I do sort of like that one better, but that's just me. Which one? That's smaller. See, this one reminds me of something, and I don't know what it was. Okay. No, they're both, both good. I mean, you yep. cannot go wrong with the chocolate chip cookie, right? I mean, no. I'm gonna take this one last piece. Yeah, we're good. Great. All right, so now it's on the oatmeal. The resin. Okay, this is oatmeal. This looks like it has. I know it has cranberries in there, but I don't know if it's just cranberries. I don't know. So did you bring two? Or did you bring one? I actually brought four. Mm -hmm. All right. So are these all? Are any of these yours? Yeah, the small ones are mine. Okay. I mean, I didn't make them, but I bought. So I bought a peanut butter one. Yeah. Oh my god. And molasses. Because I wasn't sure like how we were doing the cookie part of this and I went, I'm, I'm not sure how we're doing the cookie part either. <laughs> I'm just sitting here eating. <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna try this um, this oatmeal, but what I thought was oatmeal cranberries, so we'll see. Yeah, those look like cranberries. Mm. Oh, you got a winner there. That's safety. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. I appreciate that. I don't really make oatmeal cookies all that much, so yeah, yeah. I admire them when I eat them. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Can everyone hear that? <laughs> all right. So this looks like this is oatmeal raisin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. These were all good choices. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, I guess that concludes today's podcast. Yeah, right. And then uh, we'll see you next time, and it'll be my turn. And this time, Carrie doesn't know what I'm doing, so. That's right. Surprise. <laughs> it's an unsolved mystery. <laughs> As my microphone drops. <laughs> So uh, we'll see. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye.